Hi, this is uh, Pastor Paul, and I'm here with Thad Hicks, and we're going to have a conversation today just uh, about a number of things, and I'm going to be doing these weekly as we go through this crisis together, just to give you an opportunity to hear from different voices, and uh, Thad's is an important voice to hear, I think, early on as we try to, to gauge uh, what we should do, how we should respond. And so, first off, Thad, why don't you introduce yourself to those that, that may not know you? I know you've been around the church a long time, but there may be some people that don't know you. Yeah, I was, I was away for a bit, so yeah, uh, I'm hard to miss. I'm six foot six with a giant bullet head, so that's hard yeah. to miss. Um, yeah, so um, grew up in the church, um, up through all the way through high school, and then uh, when I was in college, you know, after college, I sort of moved away and um, came back. I was a, a police officer for a while, and I actually worked in Marysville. Um, moved away again, and then. Uh, I'm back now, um, live here in town with uh, my wife, Sarah, uh, who also grew up in the church. And um, so you, you've probably seen me around. So. Yeah. yeah, you're about 6'6", six, six and, and not a lot of hair on top. Yeah, I'm, I'm hard to miss. <laughs> uh, and and you, you went to Asbury? Sure. What'd you get your degree in in Asbury? So uh, I went to, my undergrad is in, at, from Ashland. Okay. I was in criminal justice and religion. Um, I did my master's work at Eastern Mennonite University in um, conflict transformation with a focus in restorative justice. And then uh, I went to, did a stint at Kent State University where I, I started a, a, a PhD in political science. And then uh, after one semester, I realized it just wasn't my, my scene. And uh, Applied and got funding for at at, um, at Asbury Theological Seminary, outside of Lexington, uh, Kentucky, and went there and uh, got my PhD in uh, intercultural studies. Okay, and you you you've worked with the Salvation Army with emergency response. What what drew you to emergency response? Okay, so um, honestly, um, so ever uh, ever since I was in college. Um, I was doing this sort of work, um, working with those in, in need, you know, and in, in, um, not large scale emergencies, but they were personal emergencies for those individuals. And that's the sort of work I was doing. And that's a, the sort of um, the direction that I think sort of God called me in was to serve the least of these widows, orphans, and so on and so forth. And so when I was a police officer, um, it was during, so I, I was, uh, police officer a couple of years in at 9-11. Post 9-11, the, the world of, because uh, you know, the, the home, uh, Department of Homeland Security didn't even exist. Emergency management was this little thing off to the side. They, you know, FEMA, they did hurricanes and tornadoes and stuff like that. But for the most part, the average person on the street really probably couldn't even tell you what emergency management was. Um, post 9-11, the uh, federal government instituted the uh, Department of Homeland Security started pumping all kinds of money into emergency management. And so um, even as a police officer, I was going to all kinds of trainings and I was even doing some trainings for people um, on, you know, terrorism and all, all kinds of stuff. And before long, the sort of the interest I had as a police officer during the emergency management bumped into my experience working with sort of individuals going through those personal emergencies. And and I realized, hey, this is this is right up my alley. I've, I've got the sort of the 
the secular training in combination with this sort of the uh, sort of faith-based theological side. And I brought them, brought them together and um, I started doing that sort of work with the Salvation Army. Um, it's pretty robust. The Salvation Army's disaster services, emergency disaster services, pretty robust. And uh, you know, so we've got um, lots of resources. We, you know, so I've got, we've got an office at the State Emergency Operations Center in Columbus. We have a desk there with a computer. I mean, we, so we're really plugged into what's going on. And it just, that, that combination of the secular and the faith base, it really, it was brought together. The Salvation Army was a nice landing, landing spot for me. Um, and then, you know, one thing led to another and I, I was working for the Salvation Army and um, I got a phone call from a colleague, so colleague now, um, at Ohio Christian University, he said, hey, we're, we're considering starting an emergency and disaster management sort of bachelor's degree program. Could you help us? And, you know, that was almost 11 years ago. I started as a contractor and um, started working part-time for him. I was still working for the Salvation Army, still at Asbury trying to finish school. So at one point, I, I, I had three different apartments. I was trying to live in three different places at once, but um, after about five and a half years of after I finished my uh, my dissertation, which which happened to be in faith based emergency response, is what I wrote on. Um, so everything just sort of everything came together. Okay. You know, it's one of those hindsight's being twenty twenty, but it just sort of came together. Together, yeah. Wear a lot of different hats. I do. I do. <laughs> okay. So you're still involved in the Salvation Army, and 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 you're teaching at OCU. Yes. Uh, and all those things. Um, Salvation Army, what are they doing in response to the COVID-19? Yeah, so um, early on, so our, our main responsibility is feeding. Um, and so oftentimes we are either written into the, the state plan as we're the feeding, you know, the main feeding uh, organization. And that doesn't mean we provide everything, but everything sort of, we act as a spoke and then everything kind of goes out from, from us. So, so we help. help design feeding plans and you know how that looks and we even distribute food um the difference in this and early on we were we were we were taking out meals but we really have had to um sort of reel in our people a little bit um the volunteer numbers that that i have so i i i'm responsible for everything from van wert to marietta mm -hmm. basically a straight line and then south and there's a small little peninsula that goes down to lexington kentucky and, and that is my responsibility. And our number, uh, the volunteers in, in that area, um, they fall within what it, this, the uh, state and the CDC is, is considering vulnerable population. So it, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense for me to send out people to help people while also putting them in danger. So we are, we're still doing our planning. We're doing boxed foods now, like, and many organizations are going to this where we're putting together a week's worth of food in a box and then people are coming to our locations and we've got a, uh, probably 15 or 20 across my region uh, and another 15 or 20 in the northern part of the state and they can come there and they can pick up their uh, as opposed to coming and getting a meal we actually send them home with um, relatively shelf stable food so even if they don't have power we send them with shelf stable milks and that sort of stuff so this food stays good um, they're able to use it throughout the week, and then if they can, if the next week if they need more food, they can come back and we'll 
or provide them with another box. How can we support that as a church? How can we support that that effort financially? I mean, is there a place to give financially? Um, so, I mean, yes, money is always accepted. Um, but I'll tell you what, what's hard is that we are running into because um, like we partner with, it's called the Midwest Food Bank. And we can, uh, we can call out there and, um, and say, hey, we need a tractor trailer load of, of food boxes. And apart from the fuel to get it here, and we pay for the actual food boxes because they're labeled with the Salvation Army's logo on it, um, all that is donated to us. And so basically for a few thousand dollars, we can get a whole food box. Um, last night I was talking to a, a friend and emergency manager in Mississippi, and he was asking me where he could get um, hand sanitizer. If I, if I had a contact up here and I said, I don't, and if I did, well, if I did, I would, I need it myself. I can't give it away. And he said, well, he said, well, we're hoping to get something from Midwest food bank. And, and he's like, but we're, we're on the list to get a, a half a trailer of, of food. And I said, so am I. So normally just one area of the country is impacted. And so there's lots of resources out there sure. right now. Everybody's asking for it. And so even if we had money, sometimes it's hard to find resources. And so, um, in the coming few days to a week, I would imagine we're going to put out a, a call for, and we rarely do this because logistically it's, it's very hard, but we're going to put out a call and say, Hey, if you've got canned foods, if you've got paper towels, that sort of stuff, and then we'll take everything we can and we'll sort it out into, into boxes and start pushing it out that way. Because it's just where the, the uh, supply lines are, there's hiccups in them throughout and it's just hard to get some of the resources we need. Make sure you send me that that to the church, and we'll make sure it goes out to our church. Yeah, um, Facebook as well. Yeah, the church. The I mean, if you remember back when during the Dayton tornadoes, we had a handful of people from the Marysville Nazarene Church called me and said, "Hey, what can we do?" And I mean, I had a handful of people in Dayton, you know, going on canteens, taking food out, passing out materials inside of our uh, resource center. It was, you know, good group. Let me let me ask you with regard to COVID nineteen. Give me give me your thoughts on um, on what you foresee as best practices for us as a church and for sure. as, as individuals. Well, I think we need to abide by the uh, recommendations of the state and the the federal government. Um, you know, we have we have some wiggle room because we are a faith based organization, but that doesn't mean we should be irresponsible. Um, you know, you and I, we, we get this. The, there's a high likelihood that we're just going to get sick, probably not even end up in the hospital. Um, but unfortunately, for the older population or the people with pre-existing medical conditions, their interaction with us and say we're just carriers, is it could potentially uh, be a much, uh, you know, it's, it could be a deadlier uh, interaction. So I, I would think until... We get some handle on this and as to what this is what this looks like um you know it's still we're still early on i i think the uh the governor's office and i i tend to agree we're probably going to see that that uh that number those numbers kick up um probably peaking my gut says probably around the end of april and then at that point uh, we'll see a, a sharp drop Hopefully we get a, a nice little law 
And if we can get some control over this, the key is to keep it, and as you know, the key is to keep, you know, we've got to see this, this line behind me here. We want to keep the level, that, that's our, our medical sort of what we can handle. If we keep the, the numbers below that, it's, you know, unless someone has some terrible uh, pre-existing conditions, you know, this is something that can be treated if we have the medical ability. The problem is it gets above that and we just don't have, you, you see what's going on in, in New York State where they've got, you know, 30,000 people with this, a number of which are requiring ventilators and medical stuff that they just don't have enough of. Right. So um, my advice is, uh, as the church is, we, we can continue to be the church. Um, you know, this, I think it's, this is showing us that just because the church building's closed doesn't mean the church is closed. Um, and I think it's allowing us to be innovative and creative in how we connect. Uh, I think, you know, the, the, the generational, the, the, you know, we have people who are, you know, in their 90s in our church, but we also have people who are, you know, young. Um, this might be an opportunity for us to innovate in a way that connects with that, uh, you know, the millennials or the Generation Z, those people who are looking for something a little bit different. It might be sort of the, uh, the push to get us to do something a little different. Right. And, you know, as long as we're following the rules, and, and I wouldn't encourage someone who's, who's vulnerable to be doing this, but, you know, for us to, to take, my mom took a pizza to your mother-in-law last night. I mean, for, I mean, so that sort of stuff is great. Um, she took a pizza to a, a couple different people, but you know, that's a way for us to show and be Jesus to people, and 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 we're not putting ourselves in, in any additional harm at this point, right? From what we know, yet we're 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 showing people and we're being Jesus to people. We're serving them. Um, you know, what's it? There's no absolutely no danger in you picking up your phone and calling somebody and saying, "Hey, how you doing?" Right. And, Everything okay? I was reading an article this morning and um, put out by uh, a mental health organization within the state, basically saying, you know, this is the sort of time where you see a, a, an uptick in depression, suicides, that sort of stuff, because people are, if you're, they're following the rules, they're staying inside, they're not having interaction with people. You know, the outlets that we normally see on Sunday mornings at church, those have been shut down, and so we, we have to just get creative on what this looks like but at the same time being safe because if we get sick and we get stuck in the house or or you know god forbid we end up in the hospital intensive care what good are we right if we, if we do it smart we can be jesus to people and still stay safe so so I, I like that we can we can still be jesus we can still serve we can still connect we just have to do it from six feet away exactly the <laughs> yeah. uh you just gotta again you, you know Air high five somebody. I don't even do the elbow thing. That, that puts me too close to people. <laughs> Any other thoughts on this that, that you see in the, in the next few weeks that we should really be aware of from, from your perspective? Theologically or, or crisis management-wise? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, we got a, an, an email from somebody, and it, they said something, you know, like this is this could be God trying to teach somebody a lesson or something like that. I think we need to we need to uh, speak out against that sort of stuff. This isn't somehow God being, you know, vengeful, you know, vengeful because we've done something. Um, 
the, the church people are going to look to us, to you, right, for truth. They want to know, and, and truth is truth. So, I mean, I, I, I think um, even behind a, a computer screen going out to on Facebook Live or something, you know, you can speak truth into this and, 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 and bring people back to, because the longer this thing lasts, you, you, you can watch this, people start to think, start to make up their own reality, right? If you don't have all the information, you tend to sort of, you fill it in where you can. Right. Um, and so people are going to start, you know, the government's doing this or this is happening. And I don't think that's, that's, that's going to do anything but potentially get people, get people sick. No, I agree. And, and I would say, I would say this, this too will pass. This is not yeah. the first crisis sure. that, that people have went through in this country. And, uh, and, and, and I think we lose our perspective of that when we're in the midst of it. To, to be shut yeah. in the house for two weeks, three weeks, a month, or six weeks is not the end of the world. Yeah. And, you know, the, <laughs> the greatest generation, they went and fought in a war. All we have to do is sit on our couch and eat, you know? I mean, like... And stream Netflix. Exactly. Like, life isn't that hard. Um, I, I, went to the store, I went to the store Monday and, and got some groceries because we needed a few little things. And of course, I got the important things like cookies. And the guy in the cookie aisle that works for Kroger said, people aren't going to die of COVID-19. They're going to die of diabetes after this. Is yeah, seriously. <laughs> My mom was having a, a fit because she couldn't find brown sugar. And I told her, I said, I, why do you need so much brown sugar? And she, because her thing is she bakes. Like when she, so out of boredom, she's just baking. We have so many sweets sitting on our counter over there. But she, her biggest thing was I can't find brown sugar. She actually found out how to make brown sugar with molasses and real. She was making sugar. How innovative can you get? That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I appreciate the conversation. I, and mo most of you know, but uh, Thad and Sarah are 28 weeks in to a, new, to, to a new baby. And so we're excited. Can I say a prayer for you? Uh, please. We close. Yeah, please. Lord, right now, we thank you for that. And Sarah, we pray your blessing on them. We pray your blessing on our church. Lord, may we just continue to move through with faith and caution, Lord, knowing that uh, you're in control of all these circumstances. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, brother. Amen. God bless. And uh, we'll talk soon. All right. All right. All right. Stay safe. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.